Welcome to all of you, and uh, we have a, uh, we have, uh, I, I, there's one scripture that has been stuck in my mind here the last uh, couple of weeks or so, and I, the more I looked into it, the more I just thought, I just gotta, gotta say, there's gotta be something there, has to be something. So we're going to call your attention to the book of Psalms, 119, and uh, just one verse. Amen. It says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. And I'd like to take the last part of that verse, simply, quicken thou me according to to your word. Now, if you know anything about the 119th Psalm, anybody know anything about it? It is entirely, entirely, entirely about the word. Every scripture. Every. It is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Psalms 117 is the shortest. And Psalm 117 is located directly in the middle of the Bible. So you have 117, it's the shortest, and it's right in the middle of the Bible, a little bit of a break. And 117 simply talks about how that everything should, all people, should praise the Lord. He's only got, I think, uh, 17 words or something like that. You could get it. You could probably put it up there real quick. But it's just letting us know that it says Gentiles and all people. Praise the Lord. That's a good thing, right? Short and sweet. That's powerful, right? Right in the middle of everything. Right in the middle of this book. It is very lengthy. How many of you have read it through already this year? I'm just kidding. How many read it through last year? There you go. Man. And uh, we hope our young people can get a hold of that and read it through. And, uh, but anyway, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, is this the shortest chapter in the Bible and it just says it's like just a reminder okay you're halfway there don't forget okay <laughs> let's praise the Lord yes. let's worship Him yes. let's give Him honor let's give Him glory and then 118 is a little bit lengthy not too lengthy but it's longer of course and it talks about the mercy of God That is a very, very... Because, as we all know, right? We probably do anyway. Is it in that tabernacle in the wilderness, right? Behind that holy veil was what? The Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that was what? The mercy seat. And once once that veil was torn... That lid was lifted, 
And mercy literally in it encloses it, 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 it just surrounds the entire planet Earth. You can't go anywhere without the mercy of God now. Because once that blood was applied to that mercy seat, oh my goodness, it opened up a whole new world for you and I. We really don't get it. But if you lived under the law and the Old Testament and you were transported to the new, you would get it. All right. And so, and then we have Psalms 119. And it includes, it's divided into to eight different, kind of eight different uh, thoughts. And every one of them begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I think just Beth mentioned that. It, so it basically, it, it's 176 verses, and there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and every one of them has eight verses attached to it. So it basically, it covers from A to Z. That's the word. And they say that it was probably written by David at the close of his life. Because they call it David's pocketbook. In other words, he is trying to gather all of life's wisdom and give it to you and I as readers of this Bible. And I don't know if there's anybody more qualified than David trying to explain to us the highs and the lows of life. He witnessed them all. He really did. And so, this one particular verse, but now, uh, I was going to bring out a couple of things here now. This is uh, Spurgeon, an old, old writer, he wrote two volumes on the the book of, of Psalms, right? Two volumes. They're over a thousand pages each. This one psalm, 119, covers 400 pages of commentary. Oh, that's not all. There's another writer, and uh, it talks, uh, it, it, uh, I forget the guy's name now. He wrote, I'm not kidding, he wrote, Three volumes that cover 1,677 pages on this one song. Because the more you read this, the more you study it, the more it just grows. And it just keeps growing. And it keeps growing. But I, I found something interesting. Brother Cliff, would you... Put that that Pony Express. How many of you ever heard of Pony Express? Do they oh, still yeah. cover that in school? Oh, yeah. All right. Now, they the Pony Express. I think they covered eighteen hundred miles in ten days, riding fifty miles a day, changing horses and all that kind of stuff. Right. It was the the fastest delivery mail system. It was probably faster then than it is now. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> For a whole lot less money, and and uh, they the everything that they packed was light. All right, the saddles were 
made out of lightweight material. Their clothing was lightweight material. But two things that they carried, okay, they carried a gun. I am not joking. The owner of the company had special Bibles printed called the Pony Express Bibles, and each one of those carriers carried a Bible with them on every route. Let that sink in. Everything else, other than, you know, other than the mail, everything else was like, they, they were light packers, right? They were like, you know, like jockeys riding racehorses today. But they carried, and those Bibles back then, you can Google it, okay? It's called the Pony Express Bible. There was a, I, I, every one of them got one. I think there was 50 riders. They sell, if you can find one now, they're very expensive, right? But they're like that thick. They carried their, their Bible with them. The owner of the company required them to have one. Chew on that for a minute. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Amen. So, oh, one more, one more interesting. There's a, there is a, uh, there's a story that, that uh, goes, whether it's true or not, I don't know, I read it in that commentary right there. There's a story that goes, Psalm 119. Many people have memorized it. How many of you? Not me. And it goes that there was a man that was sent to the gallows. And they always allowed them one song, okay, one psalm, to sing or to quote before, you know, the, the noose got a hold of them. And the story goes that this man chose Psalm 119. And before he was done, there was a pardon that was received by the lynchman, and he walked away. <laughs> so don't ever think that memorizing the word of the Lord, okay, cannot be of great benefit to you. Amen. Now, whether that's true or not, it makes a good story, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. But quicken thou me according to thy word. Let me there are there are three Areas. Now, this what he's talking about, he said, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Okay? This is David talking about a very low point in his life. When it talks about cleave, some of the some of the words that go, that describe that word cleaveth, it means that he was joined to the ground. It means that he was stuck in the dirt. It means that he had a hold of the grave. In other words, he was really, really low. Now, what, and, he's, and David speaking, he says, Lord, he says, I'm at a very low point. And that word, when it says quicken down me, that means in most translations, revive me according to thy word. 
In other words, David believed he knew by experience, okay? He knew that the Word of God could lift him up. He knew that no matter how far down he was, that the Word of the Lord could lift him up. It could bring life into a very dead situation. And he said, Lord, he says, quicken me, revive me according to your word. Wow. And I know nobody, it's only Wednesday, so nobody's had a bad day yet this week, right? Right? Like everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. But there, there are three, three areas of Scripture that have always just really, ah, boy, just jumped out at me when I think about this. There are three of the most powerful, of the most powerful Scriptures that you can, you'll ever remember. If you can remember these, okay, it's going to help you out in life. One of them is Matthew 28, 6. Anybody know what that, what's that all about? All right. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. When, the, when you know, the, the world tries to, you know, they, whatever area of the world that you are, you, you know, that you are challenged with, whether it's school or jobs or whatever, when you, when, when you have a bad day, all right, when you have a bad day, the, the world is always going to have bad days. But you know what? That word, quicken thou me, Lord, according to your word, at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or whenever you're having that little tussle with the boss or whatever, He's risen. He not. There, there's a hope beyond whatever that we're going through. Whatever you're being challenged with, there's a hope. That, that word David said, David didn't even know. You see, the deal is, is that David, what words, what books did David have to get him out of this place? What was it? What books did he have? Five books of law. Thank you, Brother Mark. <laughs> and probably Job. Huh. So now, see, David couldn't turn to the New Testament and say, "My grace is sufficient," or he couldn't. He couldn't turn to the Book of Matthew and, and uh, say, "He has risen from the dead." No. David could only refer back to what he had at the time. The five books of Moses and probably the book of Job. There's a little bit of a question on maybe a couple others, but for the most part, that's what he had. And we're going to look at a couple of characters to bring that out. But, but I wanted to give you these three points that I hope you never forget them. Number one, He's risen. That's our hope, folks. He is risen. He is not here. Number two, Acts 1 and 11. What's that one? 
If you don't remember any of the others, remember these three, all right? Acts 1 and 11. Why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus. This same Jesus that you see going up into the clouds, He's coming back. Yeah. He is coming. Jesus is coming back. Every eye will behold Him. He, when He comes back, it's going to be like a scroll unfolding from the east to the west. And the Bible said, every eye is going to see Him return. He has not gone away to go away. He's gone away to prepare a place for you and I. And He is coming back. Yes. For real. Yes. For real. And the, the other one is, He's not here, He's risen. He's coming back again. And Luke 15 and 18, if, this, if you can ever get this one down, just you'll never, you'll never be the same. The prodigal. He was in the pig pen. Eating with pigs. I don't know about you, but if you ever been around pigs and like out at the, you know, the the Ben Franklin County Fair, we've been there, haven't we? Yeah, Danny, we've been there with pigs. Yeah, they make those funny noises and and they just waller around in their stuff. And the Bible says this young man, he was rebellious. He had lived a riotous living. The Bible says. In other words, he spent all of his dad's inheritance. He was out eating. He, he, he'd been broke. He got broke because all of his buddies spent all of his money on riotous living. He had nothing left. So he got hired on with feeding the pigs. And he was so hungry, he got down there and started eating with them. And here's what he finally said. He says, all right, enough of this. He says, I will arise and return to my father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't ever get to the point where you think that you have gone too far ever, never, never, ever. And let me just say to the kids, don't you ever think that you cannot go to your mom and your dad no matter what you've done. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take you in. They're gonna, you know why? Because you're part of them. You and I are a part of the heavenly Father, and we have a rich inheritance. In fact, He's given us a little bit of it to spend here, only not in riotous living. Yes. But if you ever get to. If you ever get down and out, I'm, I'm telling you, you look that adversary right straight in the invisible form wherever he, and said, hey, enough of this. I'm going back. I will arise and return to my father's house. And once you get there, he's not going to kick you in the teeth. 
He doesn't have the big belt waiting for you like some of our dads had, right? If you're back in the old days, they had these big, they call them razor straps. That's not, that's not the Lord. And in fact, some people have abusive natural fathers. That's not your heavenly father. He's not going to do that. He's going to pick you up like a little lost puppy dog, put you on his shoulders, and he's going to make sure that you return to the fold in one piece unharmed. And if any of the fold starts, you know, bucking you with their horns, he's going to be there. Amen? Amen. So you remember, he's not here, he's risen. He coming back. Amen. And with those two, I don't it I will, I will arise and I will by the grace and the mercy of God that we have that they didn't have, okay? Right. We are able to overcome. Overcome. Read the church, read the letter to the church, seven churches of Revelation. What was the commonality? What was the common denominator? Every one of them. To him that overcometh. We're overcomers, folks. We are built to be overcomers. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. Glory to God. Doesn't matter what it is. He can. But here's, here's some of the things that David... I believe that David could make reference to. Okay? Remember, he could only go back to the five books in the book of Job, but he definitely, uh, he had heard of of Abraham. Here's a scripture that I believe that David could always depend on. Is anything too hard for the Lord, Abraham? That... That is just one of my all-time favorites. Is there anything too hard? Well, yeah. You can't you can't build a you can't build a planet Earth. Do you understand? From from an individual, is there anything too hard for God? Abraham, come on now. I know you're hungry. Okay? You're a hundred years old. I know you still you still want that firstborn son. But you know. Is there anything too hard? Come on. Come on. Now, you, you think about that, right? And I've said this before. Not only I mean, think of the impossibility for a hundred year old man and a ninety year old woman to have a child. But the real the real challenge of that, the impossible made possible, is for Sarah not just to conceive, that's miracle number one, but miracle number two is her for, for her to carry, to carry that baby for nine months at 90 years old. Number three part is for her to give birth. Yes. Is anything too hard for God? And David, and I, I don't know at this point, you know, David probably 
They had he already killed Goliath? Probably, don't know. He probably know because I was in his younger days. So he's like saying, Hello, what's what do you think so difficult? He says, Let me tell you the story how that I met Goliath on the battlefield when all my brothers ran away. He said, and I simply took my slingshot. And I I ran after that big giant. I ran after him. I didn't sneak up behind him. I didn't outflank him. No, I ran to him. And I smote him right in the forehead and dropped him like a rock. And then I took his sword and I cut his head off. Is anything too hard? That's what David. These are the things that that David had that he could, you know, that he could relate to. That he could relate to. Or, I love. uh, These are these are just scriptures and. They got stories with them. We don't have time to tell them. Genesis 42, 36. The story of, of, uh, uh, of Jacob. Here's the words that he says. There's a famine going on. He's got family problems. And here's, here's what he says. All these things are against me. What he says. But you know what the outcome of his life was? He was given the best property in the land of Goshen in Egypt. His entire family was reunited. You ever felt like that? All these things are against me. I got family problems. I got job problems. I got problem problems. I even got problem problem problems. Amen. Or, here's one of our favorite characters. Everybody loves this guy. His name is Job. The man from, I could, the man from Oz. What are some of the scriptures of Job? What's some of your favorite scriptures of Job? Come on. Right? Come like a foolish woman. Oh, there you go. If we got it, we got it recorded. <laughs> what are some of the? Anybody got a favorite joke? How about? Naked I came into the world, naked I'm going out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Or here's somebody had a hand up. Shoot. Yeah. Are you able to stop the ocean from going back and forth? Or, you know, I can't remember the words, but tide going in and out, more or less. Here's one of, here's one of my favorite ones. In uh, Job uh, 19, 23-25, Job is, he's going through it, right? He's going through it. I mean, the Lord has trimmed the hedges of his family, he has trimmed the, taken away the hedges, I should say. He has taken away the hedge of his health and the hedge 
of his finances. Health, finances, family. And here's, here's what he says. He says, I love this. It says, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Did you know that your story is being written? Did you know that you're part of the book of Acts? Did you know that sometime, someday, I believe, your story will be told? I mean, you got eternity to do it. Yeah, no, truly. I'm going to be kicking around in 75 degree sunshine, blue sky for eternity, walking around uh, four square, 1600 miles, however many miles that is. It, it would take a long time to walk and meeting people from all over the country and saying, hey man, tell me your story. And when we get finished, it might take a hundred years, but that's okay. Because it might take me a hundred years to walk to the next one. I'm alright with that. Because the landscaping is going to be good. There's going to be no pain, no wild lions trying to eat my lunch or eat me for lunch. And I'll just go to the next one and say, hey man, what's your story? Seriously, eternity is, for me, it's going to be kind of like that. Can you imagine? There will be millions and millions of us that will have our personal stories of how wonderful and great the redemption of the Lord operated in our lives on earth. And I'll be walking in South Africa climate. And meeting, I don't know if we'll all have the same tone or not back, you know. But really, I'll be walking, I'll, I'll walk for, I'll be walking for a million years, listening to a hundred million stories, kicking up my heels, and then I'll spend the next million years getting to the rest of them. By the time that we're done, we'll be making round two. Seriously, I don't know, but that's kind of my, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Come on. But that's what Job said. Job said, man, I wish my, if I could, I would write my story with an iron pen and a rock so everybody could read it. Or this. And then he says, for I know. Finish it for me. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though the wormy, the gummy bear wormies may eat my fingernails, I will see Him one day. That's what David had to go on. He didn't. He didn't, you understand? He didn't have the gospel. He didn't realize that the God that he served was going to come in flesh and walk among his own creation and 
and, and, and give his life as a sacrifice and go to the grave for three days, kick death, hell, and the grave and the shins and come out with the keys and say, hey, I'm alive forevermore and I've got the keys and, and I'm going to give them to you. David didn't have that. What he had was he had the stories of Job and Abraham, Jacob. He had the patriarchs and Amen. Or and here's one, and here's I believe that David, how many of you know that David had a few enemies in his day? I believe that when he was down and out, when he was in the initially in the cave of of uh, Adalom Odullah or whatever it was, and that everybody was after him. I believe that he could re- make reference to the book of Job 42 and 10. And the Bible says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Boy, that's a good one, huh? Quicken thou me, Lord. When I get, I just want to bust somebody sometimes, right? <laughs> you're, you're with, a, with an attitude like that, guess what? You're incarcerated. Yeah. You're in jail. You're in time out. What you're supposed to do, the only way out of jail is to forgive and pray for him. Seriously, that is your only out of jail card. Yeah. When somebody does something bad to you, you're ready to kick their teeth in. Depends on if you want to get out of jail or not. If you want to get out of jail, say, Lord, I don't like them, but I'm going to forgive them, and I pray that. You'll get them for it. vengeance is the Lord. Come on. Amen. No, but really, that's that's true. You can't, you can't, listen, you can't have off. You can't have you can't have a a murderous anger, rebellion, fist in the face kind of a spirit and attitude. It won't do you. You are jailing yourself. That's right. You are handcuffing yourself. You can't operate living for God that way. Because the last time I read, Jesus said, while on the cross, what did He say? Get Him, God. No, no. (laughs) When When I come out of that grave, you're toast. No, forgive them. That's what you can say. You say... Forgive them because they don't know who they're messing with, Lord. Yeah, they're messing with one of your boys. And that's what David had. That's what he had to go on, though. That's what he had to go on. Amen. He had, he had Moses. Moses, chapter number 14. Gotta love this, right? When, when the enemy is in pursuit like a roaring lion, when the whole army of Egypt is coming after you, what are you going to do? Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
which He will show you today. The Lord shall fight for you. When the boogeyman's trying to run you down, right? They listen. They don't know that evil does not comprehend. In fact, John wrote in chapter number one. He says, "Darkness did not; they couldn't comprehend the light. The world today cannot comprehend the light. You and I are the light." And they're fighting against an unwinnable situation. Just like there was no way out. Moses, the people behind Moses said, there is no no place to go. The enemy is running us down from the back and the Red Sea is in front of it. And what are we going to do? The Lord says, stand still. Stand still and watch. And I love that. It says, Watch the salvation of the Lord, what He will do for you today. Sometimes we skip Mondays to get to Sunday. Sometimes we skip Tuesdays. But it's every... I'm convinced. Every day, all right? Every day, if we're looking for it, if we're praying for it, I believe that we can see the move of God in our life in a particular situation. It may be something very minor or it may be something major. But I am convinced that every day, we're not supposed to put off, but every day is the same. Really. I know we love Sundays and we love Wednesdays, but you understand when it comes to God operating in your life, if you're if you are trying to operate in your walk with God only on Wednesday and Sunday. Something wrong there. Because He is the same God on Monday and on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday afternoon he takes a nap. (laughs) Amen. All right, we've got to close her down here. Oh, my goodness. Resources run out. What, David? David, oh, I love that. I love what David did. And maybe he, he at times, he made reference to Exodus 16.4. People saying, man, we're, we're, we're out of food. What are we going to do? And the Lord said, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you today. Today. Amen. And... Now I lost my train of thought because of, but I was looking over there. I over. Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. When David, when David was hungry, where did he go? When David got hungry, and was there food there? Yes, there was. Bread of the presence of God. When he got hungry. Maybe he was for, I, I'm sure that there was time. But what, what, what are we going to do? God? The Lord will rain bread from heaven for you. Have you ever, have, through no account of your own, right? Have you ever got that check in the mail unexpectedly and you accept that, right? Sure. 
Whoa, where'd that come from? If you've never experienced that, man, I hope and pray that you do. Right? How many of you ever? I mean, I'm not saying it's to jet, but God had blessed you in, in a way that, you know, wow, where did that come from? God opens. You see, because heaven's always open. The shelves are always full. He never runs out. And I'm quite certain that he wants to bless somebody with something that they want, they need, they desire. But the Bible says you receive not because you don't ask for it. All right, hallelujah, amen, glory to God. <laughs> All right, let's stand, we're going to close. And that's a hate, that's only one verse. Verse number 28 though, there's another part. It says, strengthen thou me, Lord, according to you. I wonder where he would go. I wonder what stories he would he would go to, right? Strengthen now. What kind of strength? What kind of what? What what kind of what what kind of strength do we need today? What 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 do you need today? What do you need that that would help you in your walk with God? Ephesians 3.20, from the Amplified Edition. I wonder if David, if David would have known this scripture was in there, right? Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all, that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Quicken me, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. According to Your Word. Whatever, Because whatever is in here... Whatever is written in here, that means it's the real deal. That means that you can count on it. That means that you can count on these real stories that were meant to edify you and strengthen you and encourage you in your times that you maybe have a little bit of doubt. This is the real deal. These are real people going through real issues that were challenged by the same things that you and I are. But they didn't have that scripture, some of them in Ephesians 3.20. They didn't believe, they didn't know that God was able to super abundantly, far over, above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Come on. Come on. Build a sandcastle or build a mansion. Your choice. Amen. Hallelujah. He's able to supply it all. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing else. Remember, I will arise. He is risen. And 
He coming back. Come on. He's coming back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful, Lord, for Your goodness, Your mercy, Your Word, Lord. And we pray tonight, God, that You would give us strength, give us encouragement, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to recognize, Lord, the resources and all that You have that is so abundantly, God, uh, available to us, Lord. Amen. Help us to believe. Remove our doubts, God. And help us to believe. And I promise that we will give You all of the glory. All of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.